Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas. I'm your host, Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And it might be an odd greeting, but you know, in fact, we're still in the Christmas season. We are indeed. It didn't end. Deck the halls. Deck, keep decking them. Whatever that means. Trim the tree. Deck. What is a deck in a hall? How do you deck a hall? Well, you hang boughs of holly and oh. garland and everything. and Keep it looking nice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So some people just don't realize because we celebrate Christmas basically November 1st. And then right. that goes until... If you're in a department store, absolutely. Yeah. Or Walmart, especially the Walmarts. You yeah. Know? The mean, candy aisle immediately is right. transformed on November 1st, the day after but then, Halloween. But then... December 25th happens. Mm-hmm. The next day, it's kind of this like you're like in a little no man's land. And then it's sort of like done. And then sort of New Year's celebration happens. Maybe there's some lingering decorations around. But half after, price off. Half price off, right. But then, and then after, uh, after New Year's, it's kind of done. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of getting ready for something else. But here we are still in the Christmas season, still looking at this. Really, we have this beautiful... Uh, nativity scene, huge nativity scene outside our parish. It's really impressive. We are broadcasting today, everybody, from St. Joseph's Church in Lamars, Iowa. And your nativity scene out here, it's really impressive. It's life-size, outdoors, huge, like real stable. Yeah. Very impressive. Really nice statues. I did hear from uh, one of the guys who sets it up every year that, so there's a nice, a really cute little lamb that's, you know, right next to the Christ child there in the manger. However, it's about the perfect size for a, a real live person, little kid, to to try to ride. Oh. So it's about a foot <laughs> off the ground on this little stand. And apparently, uh, after a few years, they had oh, just a few years ago. They've had this since the '80s, I think. A few years ago, uh, a, a kid tried to ride it, and so a guy came out and found three of the legs broken. So, it so had, now it's it, looking like a lamb. In the hay that just kind of is squatting. <laughs> you know, he actually fixed it. He showed me some pictures of the recovery time and re- really, really the healing that happened in his in his kitchen there in his house. As he, oh, he as nursed he the lamb he back, nursed to, it back to health. Right? Oh. So everybody, don't worry. Um, there's actually, yeah, two lambs, both looking fine in the manger here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, beautiful. We have um, veterinarians for nativity scenes, apparently. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, well, it is gorgeous. And I'm glad you're still celebrating with these, these really beautiful and, and moving reminders of what the nativity is all about yeah and you know nativity scenes they can just be decoration but i think even better is uh they're an opportunity to be drawn into the mystery you know right that's why francis of assisi started these absolutely same with stations of the cross right it's Mm -hmm. this opportunity to be drawn into the mystery um often you might see even a kneeler um in front of it with a little prayer in front of the christ child in the manger because you're the idea is that we're coming back to the to the church's prayer and liturgy to that moment we're coming back to the to the manger we're coming back to the house then of of Mary and Joseph afterwards. Um, we're coming back then to that moment of the encounter with the wise men, with the shepherds, those mm-hmm. different moments. And we can try to bring ourselves there in prayer. Um, but it still is this continued celebration of Christmas season mm-hmm. um, in the church. And, and maybe you've been realizing that if, you, if, if you've been going to mass, maybe, maybe you haven't because kind of the secular world kind of stops 
celebrating Christmas. The packages have been opened and all of the gift receipts have been utilized and taken back to the stores. And, and now you finally have what you want. Um, you're starting to crack into those gift cards that you got from everybody and, you know, using them up all over the place. Um, but nevertheless, we still keep celebrating this feast um, in the way we do through a season. You know, we have that octave of Christmas, as we mentioned before, those eight days following Christmas that really extends that day of the 25th of December, celebrating the birth of our Lord. But then this whole season kind of trying to dive deeper and deeper into the um, into the reality that God became man and dwelt among us mm-hmm. um, as a child, which mm-hmm. you see so many statues and pictures of Jesus as a child that we kind of forget about it, the Madonna and child or whatever else, but it's wild to consider that. Um, that God made himself so vulnerable um, as a baby and then so vulnerable on the cross and now so vulnerable in the Eucharist. So mm-hmm. beautiful opportunity. Yeah, the great paradoxes of the Christmas season that God's, the infinite God could somehow become finite. Mm-hmm. God who has no beginning or end is somehow now bound to time. <laughs> uh, God who is the source of all creation is somehow entering into human mm-hmm. flesh as a creature the paradoxes are endless. And you know. in the midst of all that, we sing jingle bells. Right. <laughs> the word made flesh, the word through whom all humanity, including Mary, his mother, came into being, right. is somehow also the source of his being as he draws his own DNA and life in his incarnation from the womb of one of his creatures. Yeah. The paradoxes are endless. You could spend the rest of your life just kind of sitting lost in wonder and in retreat format of the mystery of Christmas. Right. Um, yeah, and this just offers us a really great time to realize what the heck liturgical seasons actually are, church seasons. Mm-hmm. I mentioned maybe a few episodes back that this whole idea of feeling outcast as a Catholic, even in your own parish, um, maybe outcast from like really what the life of the church is. Um, you maybe had some experience of catechesis whenever form, however, like, rich or lacking that experience of might have been and we all know some things about the faith but especially like the rich kind of year of the church and all these different seasons these different colors of vestments the different themes that we kind of lean into we're given those for our whole life to continue to unpack these mysteries because they're so incredible um, but yet we can still sometimes find ourselves just kind of showing up to mass on Sundays feeling maybe a little disconnected from the reality, the glory that's present. Um, maybe hear a uh, good or not so good homily and then leave. Um, and then that's it. And then maybe come back the next week. But we still kind of extend the celebration of this feast. And I, I just really want to talk about the reality of feasting compared to the reality of fasting. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if we do either of them particularly well right now, nowadays mm-hmm. in the church, um, priest or lady alike. Um, and we might feel a little outcast from the sort of rich tradition of both of those mm-hmm. experiences. I, I think if anything, people try and, if, perhaps out of guilt, try to do the, the fasting very seriously. Sure. Some do it well. Some kind of like, oh, well, I gave up broccoli. <laughs> okay, well, how penitential, you right. know, because we all know broccoli is served three meals a day, you know. Um, I don't think we do feasting well at all. Right. Right. I don't think we understand what it means to really be in celebration mode. That doesn't mean gluttony. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean drunkenness. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean splurging to the point that like you're bankrupting your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but to really to celebrate with authentic joy and to lean into a feast that can really give 
a sense of cheer and lightheartedness mm-hmm. to the soul in the midst of the heaviness of life's burdens. Right. I, I don't know if people know how to do that well. I think some of our Catholics, perhaps out of traditional Catholic guilt, mm-hmm. would say like, oh, well, you know, stay humble because, you know, there could be a tragedy tomorrow. Right. Well, the Lord really does invite us to celebrate mm-hmm. uh, and to feast because that's what he lays forth in front of us. He really is a providential father who wants to provide. Right. And everything that can be rejoiced in in this lifetime that hints at the final wedding celebration to come in mm-hmm. glory that needs to be embraced. Right. Yeah, there's always those jokes about like, the difference between Protestant and Catholic heaven, right? Like the Protestants, there's like a room where like some of them are like dancing. The next room, they're like drinking a bunch of beer. The next room, they're eating a bunch of food. And then the next room, the Catholics and the Catholic heaven are just bored sitting around because they did all that during life. So they didn't, you know, and there's, there's those jokes and things like that. But I loved, uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this before or not, but I had a great professor in um, college seminary that talked about the reality of carnival and where that actually comes from, and the mm-hmm. fact that Carnevale is like a meat fair, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's, you know, before you'd fast from meat, either before Lent or sometimes back in the past, even during Advent or different times of the year with, with Fridays, fasting from meat and things like that, that there's always this time of feasting and this time of fasting, right? So, of course, before Lent, that we know it's Mardi Gras now, Fat Tuesday, right? That reality comes of like, well, let's eat up all the meat, let's eat up all the fat and stuff we're going to fast from throughout Lent, before and then when easter comes around when christmas comes around let's feast again because there's this balance of both but he talked about there the the kind of catholic mindset and reality has always been a balance of both of of knowing when to restrain ourselves for the sake of the feast that is to come and knowing how to lean into the feast you know mm-hmm. we use that word feast we just think of a big meal um but then, I mean, really, a festival is a celebration of the, the good, goodness of God, mm-hmm. right? And I love that you just said that because every feast that we experience on earth, if it's truly looking forward to heaven, it's really a foretaste of the wedding feast of the Lamb. And you don't have to be embarrassed about that. No, yeah. You can embrace it. Like, God really doesn't want you to be miserable. <laughs> right. I love, I'm a big, I mean, I, I like making cocktails and stuff. And there's a book that came out a number of years ago called drinking with the saints Sure, of a guy who tried to do that of associating cocktails with different feasts of the saints and stuff like that. Right. Um, that might get it a little excessive if that's like, you know, you're trying to follow the calendar religiously every single day or something like that. But I must have uh, this yeah. drink tonight right, because right. it's the feast of so-and-so. I have to buy this obscure cordial from some other country or something <laughs> to make this cocktail. But uh, I love that idea. Right. And there's some cookbooks that do the same thing, but Throughout all of the the kind of areas of Christendom that we've experienced, especially in the U.S., we see a lot from from Europe and from Latin America too. But there's beautiful traditions associated with feasting and feast days. Right? There's certain food. There's certain things that are made for certain days that we've lost that a little bit because we can kind of get whatever we want whenever we want mm-hmm. now. But it's beautiful because you know you'd you'd fast from certain things so that you could feast with other things um, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I think there are some beautiful pockets in which maybe some of grandma's recipes are still being handed down. Mm-hmm. And granted, that can be sentimental just to remember grandma. Uh, but if it could be tied to a, a seasonal celebration that we eat this because this is the time that the Lord has granted us in abundance. Right. You know, whether it's a particular dessert or, uh, you know, like in the coming Easter season, these might be some spring ingredients that are right. available only this time of year. I don't know. But 
if some of those things could be attached to something a little more sentimental than just nostalgia of one's childhood memories or grandma's memory, because this is the recipe she always handed down. Right. If that could also be tied to the feast that well, we also eat this, we also enjoy this because it's tied to a liturgical feast. And while it's great to remember grandma's recipes and handing them down from her, we also have handed down from grandma the faith. Right, right. <laughs> and there was a reason why grandma made these things, because her faith was prompting some right. of these activities, mm-hmm. and not just mere nostalgia. Right. You know, we see this right now, still in the Christmas season. Christmas, we see it in Easter with these clear seasons of one is more subdued, Advent, right? Darker colored vestments, right? Not as many candles, not as many flowers, a, a more subdued experience of Mass. We actually don't pray or sing the Gloria during Advent and Lent because we're refraining from that kind of exuberant joy for the coming feasts, right? But I think what's important to remember as Catholics is that the week can function in the same way, that there's moments to fast and there's moments to feast in the week. Mm-hmm. Seminary was really helpful with this for me because... I think sometimes Sunday is kind of this catch-up day in, in, our, in our country, and our culture right now. The, the idea is like Saturday is the real day off, mm-hmm. and then especially for students, right? And then Sunday is when you're scrambling to like get the stuff done that you didn't get done because you just kind of vegged out on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So then you're kind of rushing to Mass, or maybe you take advantage of an evening Saturday Mass for convenience sake, so you can kind of like clean up the house and do the yard work and do all this different chores on Sunday. And then Sunday actually becomes kind of stressful and mm-hmm. not as restful mm-hmm. as a nice kind of stressful and restful, mm-hmm. uh, whatever rhyme. Good job. Father. Thank you. Appreciate that. So touching. Yeah, it's nice. But I remember in college seminary, Sundays were very clearly different, right? Cause we'd have mass every single day in the seminary, we'd have daily mass, but then Sundays we wore suits. Mm-hmm. We wore kind of business casual throughout the week. Sundays we wore suits and then we had like a big lunch and it was funny. There was this beef and barley soup that wasn't like particularly like incredible but we only had it on sundays so nobody really knew what kind of soup it was it was just sunday soup okay and it was nice about it was that it was just it was something different and something special that helped you realize like oh i'm sitting here in a in a jacket Mm -hmm. Um, and you'd be quickly corrected as an 18 year old college freshman when you'd uh, unknowingly take off the jacket to sit down yeah you you know you got to wear the dinner jacket at the dinner you know (laughs) so it's fun though because you, you realized yeah okay so i'm wearing clothes that i don't wear every single day I'm eating food that I don't wear every single day. Um, we had incense at mass every Sunday and things like that. And it just flowed very naturally into realizing that, okay, this is a, this is a Sunday. This is a feast day. I might take a little nap in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Might have a little, you know, play, play a sport or something like that. Um, likewise, though, Fridays um, in the seminary, then here at my school even, we don't have meat available, mm-hmm. right? A tiny, tiny, tiny sacrifice to make. Mm-hmm. But a small sacrifice on a Friday recognizing the Lord's passion so as to prepare for the glory of that Sunday. Right. That's beautiful. Because that's a clear recognition that whether it's a Friday, whether it's a Sunday, whether it's uh, a great feasting celebration like this Christmas season we're right. in, we step into time very intentionally. Yes. And the time doesn't just wash over us and, and we just get swept along and we move on mm-hmm. with whatever fad happens to be the strongest at the moment. Yes. We intentionally step into time as the Lord stepped into time in his incarnation And just as he said, you know, there will be a time, you know, for fasting to come, but when the bridegroom is here with you, rejoice now. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was saying that on earth with his own disciples and followers. Right. And and we keep that sense of intentionality with our own time and these celebrations of these seasons now. Right. Yeah, and there's visages of the feast still around us, right? We exchange gifts at Christmas still. And even if it's just kind of still caught up in the commercialism of the or the or the secularism of the time. 
there's those visages that we can kind of reclaim for our for ourselves and for our families as we celebrate, right? And even if it's just in our hearts, we can reclaim that, okay, I have this beautifully wrapped package that I'm giving somebody because I want to rejoice in this feast of the Lord's birth with us. Mm-hmm. You know? The, the kind of like, you know, everybody puts on their pastels and go has an Easter egg hunt on Easter morning, right? Yeah, that has become secular. But what I love from my shout out to my Byzantine friends I realized where Easter baskets came from. It was all the stuff that you'd given up over Lent, all the stuff you'd fasted from, meat, cheese, eggs, this beautiful like Pascha bread that they have packed in these baskets. And then you just have this incredible feast. Mm-hmm. Um, There's one guy at the parish in Denver who would make, uh, who would brew his own beer. And he brewed a beer called Pascha beer, this Passover Easter beer. Mm-hmm. And he'd only brew it once a year and it would be basically ready by Easter. Mm. Right. So he's passing out for all those who had, who had given that up over Lent. Mm-hmm. But I love that because those, those traditions that have become a little bit secularized and maybe lost to some of the oomph of the feasting of the, of the, you know, tradition, those can be reclaimed. Absolutely. Um, those can be reestablished and celebrated with mm-hmm. um, a little bit more vigor. Mm-hmm. Good insights, father. Yeah. So we, we just want to do a little uh, supporting, you know, encouragement to all of our listeners that this is still a feasting time. doesn't have to be sinfully indulgent, right? But we do celebrate, the Lord's goodness in our midst, uh, a Lord who does not want to trample us with misery, a Lord who does not want right. to, you know, just uh, squash us down and say, be humble, you people. You know, he really does, as a, as a loving father, want us to celebrate and rejoice mm-hmm. as he's rejoiced in the gift of his own divine son and uh, as we continue to share in that joy as well in this sacred and beautiful season of Christmas. Right. Keep the decorations up if you yes. haven't taken them down yet, you know. Um, we could talk about this in years to come of, you know, when and, you know, when to keep them up. But if anything, if you want to keep those decorations up until the Feast of the Baptism mm-hmm. of the Lord, which will be the 10th. This year, the 10th. Sunday, yes. the 10th. Yeah, maybe wait. Maybe if you put them away, pull them back out. That mm-hmm. might be kind of intense, but yeah, <laughs> just to try to keep celebrating. And again, we mentioned this back in Advent, but uh, just to listen intentively to the readings because we continue to unpack the mystery of Jesus's birth, Jesus's presence among us. We continue to unpack in the prayers, especially of Mass, um, this incredible reality that we get every year to rejoice in and unpack. Mm-hmm. So yeah, keep mm-hmm. keep celebrating this beautiful feast. Father Travis, it's always great to be with you. Merry Christmas to you and to all of our listeners. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Keep celebrating, uh, and happy Baptism of the Lord coming up. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.